I find myself whistling to that guitar riff. Now, Monday, February 6th, market call. Guy Adami, Dan Nathan, literally in seconds. Carter Braxton Worth, Dan of Worth Charting, will be joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, Dan, that are powered by tomorrow. FactSet, of course, our data provider. And, Dan, uh, we have a big event coming in, the three E's, as they say, that we're all jazzed up about. We have a few hundred people signed up, and we're hoping to get a few hundred more before the end of this uh, pod. Or what do we call the show? It's not a podcast. It's called a podcast show. Um, yeah. So on Wednesday, it's at 1030 a.m. Is that correct? Uh, 1030 a.m. Oh, 11 a.m. Sorry about that. Well, here, hey, throw that thing in the ticker here. Let's just do that. Let's get that ticker up. We're doing it with FactSet, and we have three of their very fine experts joining us to kind of give their 2023 outlooks. So do us a favor here. Take a look at that link. Sign up for it. You are going to get a special dedicated link for this event. Um, and Guy and I are going to walk through some important uh, topics, earnings with butters. We're doing it, guy. We're doing earnings with butters for 2023. And we're hitting ESG. We're hitting energy. These are three really important parts, I think, themes in the markets in 2023. All right. You, you're rocking a little Travis Bickle look there. Right, it looks that, like. Hold on Anybody? a second. Just, hold on. Maybe the I got to a little bit. And the shirt. So this is my, my post-Grammys look. Um, uh, what do they call that guy? Uh, Khaled. DJ Khaled. DJ look, Khaled, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's your guy. All right, well, let's get into this thing because, you know, listen, I don't think we've been on. Um, we had our On the Tape podcast drop on Friday, but we did not cover that jobs report, and it's kind of interesting. I mean, I think we had a very animated uh, market call mm -hmm. on Thursday. Um, I think you and I were both a bit perplexed because, I mean, uh, you know, the, the idea that the Fed would let, like, risk asset bubbles kind of reflate just is both confounding and, and stupid to to you um, and me. You know, Jay Powell speaks tomorrow. This is, you know, two days after, two trading days after that jobs report that's an unemployment rate back to levels we haven't seen since 1969. And it's really complicating the Fed's job. And I just say this, Guy, before I pass it over to you, I mean, you've thought that they've done a pretty decent job of staying pat on that hawkish sort of tone what the hell happened on wednesday afternoon because listen stocks raging and the sorts of stocks that are raging right now right are not particularly bullish the sort of activity we're seeing so do you think he takes tomorrow opportunity to clarify and then all week long we have a lot of fed speak i thought he had a huge opportunity to do it last week given the rally we had seen into that and he took that opportunity to mention the word disinflation i want to say 13 times so i'm seeing other people say 11 doesn't matter the point is yeah. You no, know, he really he had a real opportunity. He didn't take advantage of it. But something happened on Friday um, and I'm not really convinced. I'm not sure what it was, but you saw the price action. You saw the early morning rip in equities. And then you saw the subsequent sell off. And that coincided with the ridiculous move in the bond market. And I only bring it up because Friday felt like one of those days where somebody or some hedge fund or some group of funds sort of got blown up and that might come to light in the next couple of days or the next couple of weeks. But the price action we saw on Friday, really as odd as it was earlier in the week, Friday's action equally defied logic, just in terms of the magnitudes of some of the moves. So we'll see, but that's the environment that we find ourselves in. You know, people have gotten themselves a bit off sides without question. We talked at length about that on Thursday, how we felt, you know, we were used the word perplexed and somewhat confused, but we weren't going to really stray that much from our thesis. And here we are today in the aftermath of, you know, 
Not particularly great price action on Friday. And, and we're going to talk about this as the yield curve continues to invert. Just a lot of things that yeah. we've been talking about are continuing to come to fruition. Yeah, well, I guess the one thing, though, that, you know, after being pretty right for all the right reasons from mid-2021 till really the end of last year and changing our tune a little bit from a trading standpoint, I mean, to be, you know, wrong just as it relates to equities. And that's the major thing I think mm -hmm. that you and I are both kind of stuck with because on the commodity front, on the rate front, on the currency front, on, on many others, I think we're still – I mean, our, our views are being confirmed here. It's just this pesky little stock market. Before we get to Carter, I just want to hit this one slide here. And these were three stories I read over the weekend. And it really speaks to a different time period in the market, um, what's going on here. If they, if they can throw this slide up here. I think this got widely shared. The 25-year-old trader amassed one and a half million bucks, then he lost it all. And now he's like stocking shelves, you know, in a convenience store. Um, the rush into meme stocks, zero day, uh, these these zero day mm -hmm. options. I mean, it's just like gambling. I mean, that that's all that's going on here. And then on Thursday, the day after that Fed meeting, it was the largest one day options volume um, and calls were like 40 million, like two thirds of all the options. So we're getting back to the kind of YOLO sort of behavior guy that to us in 2021, specifically early 2020 gave us really conviction that we were in the end game for that that kind of bull market when you see headlines like this it clearly suggests you know we're not well i mean it's it's not what you typically see at, at bottoms let's put it that way it's typically more the type of things you see at tops of these cycles and to your point you know a lot of this stuff seems to be rehashing things that we saw 12 13 or so months ago which i find to be somewhat interesting real quick i want to give jim a shout out who apparently is in the hospital jim feel better, Dan and I, obviously, Carter, as well, thinking about you. But, you know, it speaks to a lot of just sort of the frivolity around the market again and sort of the animal spirits taking hold against a backdrop that's less than encouraging. And, you know, this options trading breaks daily record and these zero-day options, I, I, I can't put my finger on, finger on it. I don't understand it all that well, but I got to tell you something. These seem to be the types of things that work. And I'm not trying to be glib here until they don't. The problem is, of course, when they don't, something breaks. And clearly that's what we I think we might be on the precipice of. Yeah, I just say this, you know, we talked about um, some of the we talked about using futures and some of the E-minis. I mean, if you want to speculate during the day on the direction of the market, I mean, literally, you're just like going like this here and again you have to be staring like we do at our fact set machines all day long and looking at the news and thinking that you have an edge and and you know again i mean some people will tell you some and carter will come on and tell us in a second i mean there's no edge to doing that it really is kind of gambling and one of the reasons i mentioned using the e-minis in the futures at least you can set really tight stops you know the idea when you buy an option that is expiring at the end of the day you're paying a premium for that it's much worse odds than a, than a coin flip so um i'll just Make that point. All right, listen, we got a lot of stuff to cover here, guy. Let's hit the major indices, but let's first bring in the aforementioned Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting. Carter. I love the aforementioned. Yeah. Hey, but talk to us a little bit before we hit the S&P, the NASDAQ, we're going to hit yields. And, and then you want to cover, um, you had a nice call on the dollar playing for a bounce. We're going to look at that again. And then we're going to look at gold here. And then, um, but I just want to get your, your thoughts on like the sentiment. You saw some of those headlines. You saw what we were just talking about here. It's just, it feels like it's all coming back and it's all coming back at a very different time than when it was around the last time. Because in Q1 of 2021, two years ago, rates were at zero. 
You know what I mean? And here we are, Fed funds at the March meeting. If you look at the CME Fed Watch tool, we're going to be at 5%, okay, in the upper bound here. And these sorts of headlines after the rip that we've had in the major indices, they just don't make me feel particularly good about the, you know, for the potential for this thing to continue to rally. Thoughts on, on just some of, from a qualitative standpoint. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, so um, we're all prone, at least I can speak for myself, to see a perspective move ahead, right? A direction. This one's mm-hmm. gonna, this one's gonna plunge. This one's gonna surge. This is gonna break out. This one's gonna bounce here, and so too it is for equities as an asset class. And it's because basically things don't stand still, right? You equilibrium exists, but it doesn't persist. At some point, uh, something is either improving, just like in life, or it's getting worse. Your health, your job, your relationships, whatever it might be, and so. And so, too, it is with the market. The market is basically stuck. I mean, we are essentially, for what it can be said, we're the same price we were exactly two years ago. And the market has been, from two years ago, 15% higher. It's been 15% lower on the October lows, and we're and we're unch. And it's, it's trying to figure out, and that's what really we're discussing here. And you're, is this... Uh, the beginning of a new uh, constructive bullish phase for equities, or is the trouble of the past 13 months still with us and that this is just a bounce in an ongoing period of trouble? And my gosh, you you guys feature some of the greatest experts in markets uh, at the highest levels, uh, at some of the biggest brokerage firms in the world, as well as buy side um, uh, players, and you can see the discord. There are a lot of very bullish people and a lot of very bearish. I, I myself think it's 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 probably going lower, but every day that it doesn't, you have to question that. The real thing is that when you have a market that's chopping, it affords an opportunity to win with your stock selection, right? Because in periods of great duress, correlations go to one, everything sinks together, everything rebounds off the COVID low together, but now you should get the dispersion and you are getting it. You do yeah. a great job of taking emotion out of the equation, Carter, which I have, I've always struggled with, but I think I do a relatively good job. But again, when you do that, things become a lot clearer. And is anything to that thesis that you've put out, you know, the downside thesis, has anything changed because you mentioned the longer things stay, you didn't use the word bid, but the longer things stay sort of firm, at a certain point, the more self-fulfilling it becomes. Can you speak to that? Well, that's right. So it is just a money flow thing at the end of the day. And so I think the thing to watch as a, uh, let me just say this, at any given time, certain stocks provide no wisdom. What Walmart does, the next five or 10% up or down, there's no information in that. DuPont, there's no information in that. Ford Motor's been chopping around. But there is a lot of information in the following, and we can use these names as a control mechanism for the whole market. The very speculative things that have come roaring to life, ARC and Peloton and Zoom and DocuSign and Carvana and Wayfair and Bitcoin, those if those can hold and, and continue higher, there's a message. And if it has those falter, that's my thinking, they don't, they give back these great gains. There's a message. Um, there's no message in Walmart right now, and there's no message in Ford. So I would watch the speculative end of the market, and that will give us clues as to whether this is going to be more enduring or whether it's just that, another yeah. moment of aggressive money flow into the most speculative things only for, for naught. 
All right, so let, let, let's hit the let's hit what's meant to be the less speculative if you think about it, the S&P 500, 25% of those six largest mega cap um, tech stocks. You know, we've been drying the line for basically over a year. We've seen that downtrend. We see the downward sloping 200-day, or you like to use the 150-day. Um, you know, the S&P never made a new low, right? So, you know, off of its December highs here, and I guess that might be the one constructive thing um, about this chart other than the fact that it just broke that downtrend trend guy thoughts here because you know to your point you could have a back and fill you could have a few percent back on the s&p things can start to feel a little crappy because some of the more speculative names let's say the s&p is down three percent it's back retesting that 3950 level the 200 day and some of those other names if they don't show the sort of relative strength that might cause carter or some of us to change our minds they're going to be down a lot more but is that the level? I mean, and, and maybe Carter can speak to it because I feel like we have a, a retest coming of that downtrend, mm -hmm. and that's going to be the moment of truth. Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, a retest on time decay, and Carter can really speak to this a lot more intelligently than I, but a retest of that downtrend effectively is going to be a retest or a test of the uptrend as well with the, you know, with the thing of time decay. So each passing day, you know, we get closer and closer to that pennant forming that tip. And then we're going to have this you know, we're gonna have day of reckoning, I think. And, you know, we've seen false breakouts before. We've seen false breakdowns before. I think the question you have to ask yourself, and, you know, maybe Carter can sort of illuminate here a little bit, is that is that what we're seeing now? Was this little move over the last week and a half a false breakout? And if, in fact, using that time decay that I talked about, getting us to the point of that pennant, what happens if, in fact, that downtrend line gets violated at the same time the uptrend line gets violated, Carter? I mean, you're, you're touching on all the key elements of the current circumstance that is the S&P 500. And, and really, it's the, the market, remember, the market is a muted picture because there are stocks that are making new 52-week lows right now, uh, big, heavy names. Um, uh, and yet, how is the market up? Because you've got this huge influence both at the speculative end of the market, but also to be fair, Google and Apple and, and others have come to life. The, to go higher from here is basically subscribing to something of a V uh, and, and Vs are rare. I, I do think if we're gonna go higher, it, that higher prices pass through a lower level. And so it would be a check back, a yeah. test of the downtrend line and a, and a reassertion of strength at that line. I, I don't see it. I think it's a better short here than a buy with new money right now. All right. So, Carter, let's look at the NDX here, the NASDAQ 100. And again, those same, you know, five or six names also make a disproportionate amount of this index, but it makes up nearly 40 or so percent. And, you know, what's interesting about the NDX here is obviously it's the same condition. It's through the, the moving average, through the downtrend. But what it rallied off of was basically a retest of the October lows, right? So the S&P benefited from the rotation, right, in the fall into cyclicals, into industrials, into some energy names, into staples, that sort of thing. But what does it mean to you that the NDX was powered by some of these mega cap names? We've seen the outperformance in those over the last, let's call it, um, you know, month and a half or so. Does this chart mean anything different than the S&P 500, despite the fact that some of the major components are the same? No, it's it's the same sequencing. Other than, it's it's much weaker up and until the strength of the past five seven weeks, right? We know that all equities have a low in the summer, spring, summer, June. 
all equities as measured by the major aggregates make new lows in October and then go straight up from the October low, whereas the NASDAQ goes on and tests, i.e. went back to the October low, really poor relative performance, and, and now come to life in a big way. Here too, uh, at any given moment, you have to make a decision, are you buying or selling? I'm selling this fairly steep, uncorrected seven, eight week advance. Yeah. Hey, all right, so let's move to rates here because I think, you know, one of the things that um, if you look at the 10-year, you know, if we were to see, we saw this bounce, um, it got to what, three and a half, it, here we are at like three, six, five or something like that. And, you know, it, it nearly touched that, that rising 200-day here. It looks like pretty decent support. We just drew that three and a half levels psychologically, but you see that downtrend. Um, Guy, what does this mean to you? If we were to kind of, if we saw yields, and the 10-year, which we've thought has been reflective of the expectations for mm-hmm. growth or, or decelerating growth, if we're going to see this thing break out again. I mean, is that the impetus to cause the NASDAQ in particular because of the valuation of so many of those components to come in hard? There's so many things. I mean, we could spend an hour just talking about rates, yield curve, what it means. I'll say this. You know, again, I think to a large part, 10-year yields going down took away some of the headwinds for these larger growth high valuation, high growth names. And we saw it in terms of how the stocks move. NVIDIA is proof positive. There are other names as well. I mean, we've just seen parabolic move in a lot of these names. I think to a large extent on the back of 10-year yields going lower, now you've just said it, 10-year yields are now headed back higher. So it's clearly not suggestive of economic growth. I mean, without question, I think we would all agree that economic growth is not the driver of 10-year yields going higher. So I would say by definition, if these 10-year yields going lower prove to be a bit of a tailwind for these stocks, the same should be true. If they start to go back up in terms of yields, they should provide a bit of a headwind and people should be cautious. But I'll say this as well, and we're going to look at this. <laughs> the moves in the bond markets we've seen over the last you know, couple sessions, we're back to the volatility we saw in the bond market you know, 12, 13 or so months ago that we were seemingly talking about every day which again, getting back to an earlier point, is not suggestive of a market bottom at all, Dan. Yeah, Carter, thoughts on, on the technicals here? And again, is there, like when you look at this, find the support, it's not really there. It's maybe just that kind of rising, moving average. Mm-hmm. But what would it mean to you? I mean, if it were to get above that downtrend, and again, there's only two points there, um, is it making a straight shot for 4%? Yeah, we're getting uh, sort of stra- dollar strength, obviously, and a bump up in yields. Uh, bigger bump up in the two-year than the 10, which is to say the 210 spread is now at 81 basis points and ultimately probably going to get as much as 100. Um, I don't think there's any great trade in the TLT. I'm you know, recommending long uh, TY1, which is the futures uh, TLT and shy. But, you know, that trade, which has been good, is under some pressure. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that. I mean, real quickly here, I just wanted to hit this because I detailed a, a bearish trade in the FXI in February expiration a, a few weeks ago. It was going against me. Now it's kind of coming back my way here. And it's interesting if you were to look at crude and, and we have a chart here, just a, just a one year, and, you know, it had that kind of nice bounce in December, then gave a lot of it back and then made a new little high there earlier or late last month here. And it really, it really 
looks like death. I mean, when you, when you think about this, and then if you look at copper, you know, had that really big parabolic move after you know China pivoted from the uh, when mm-hmm. I say parabolic, I mean wh- whatever. You, you, I had a big. You definitely had a big move to yeah, the upside. But they're 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 coming back in here, yeah. and I feel like the excitement guy around this China reopening has kind of abated a little bit, especially at a time I think is interesting that some of the data out of Europe, as far as the, their economy, like collectively, wasn't as bad as people thought. So um, I don't know. I wonder if the, there's just too much juice in the, in the China reopening trade. And what is what what are these two charts telling you? Just looking at the price action, because if crude were to make a new 52-week low, I mean, I don't know, man. That 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 might be something like a little bell going off about expected growth for the balance of the year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think a lot of market participants would say this is extraordinarily bullish. Input costs are going down. Um, the Fed is winning. I totally get it. And to a certain extent, that's absolutely true. I mean, that's what they've wanted all along, right? Input input costs go down. Hopefully, put a kibosh on inflation. Understood. It's also putting. It's also one of the reasons these things are going lower. In my opinion, is exactly what you just illustrated. You know, maybe these economies and maybe the global economy is not nearly as robust as we had hoped it would have been vis-a-vis time, and then obviously this China reopening. So what does it mean for equities? Again, the backdrop is not constructive. It's, it's headwinds at the, at, the, at the least, if not more structural things going on. So again, crude going down. I understand why people would think yeah. that's a positive thing. I totally get it. I think all the things that you just outlined and some other things as well, just mean growth is slowing. And what do you pay for slowing growth in a rising interest rate environment? And again, I don't think that's, to me, that's not supportive of the evaluations yeah. we're seeing in the equity market. Well, the other point is with that jobs data on Friday and all the upward pressure we have on wages right mm-hmm. now, I mean, that is that stagflationary combination, if you think about it in one word. But Carter, you had a great note out, I think it was about a week ago, and we covered it on Market Call, but you sent it out to clients um, on Worth Charting about the dollar. And, and you were saying, let's do this thing. You know what I mean? Like you, you said that um, you thought it was ready for a bounce. We've had a pretty sharp bounce. Talk to us on the dollar because that's obviously um, having an impact on, on the on the crude that we just threw up there, I, I think. And then you want to talk about gold too. Yeah, it's impacting crude, surely. Um, it again happening at the same time that rates uh, bumping up, it's having an impact on copper and so forth. Yeah, here's the dollar chart. And um, the 101 level is what was cited back in September is the place to flip around and try for a long. Let's put some lines in. The lines draw themselves. It's very precise. Put some arrows in. We've, we've, you know, we, we've moved above the downtrend line. Now, you know, in many ways, it's anybody's guess how uh, high we can go. I'm sort of looking at 107, which is where the 150-day moving average will come into play, plus or minus. And so were we to get as high as that, there's every expectation that gold will be lower. Um, and prospectively, um, r- rates uh, higher. So mm-hmm. here's a uh, Jan 13th note to trim gold, where your annotation is there. And if we put in some lines, gold went higher, to be fair. But it's, it's, it's playing out. And how low can it go? Um, the next iteration is uh, my guess. Uh, one more iteration, if you put in some lines, I think that we're going to check back. We've broken trend and that we can get as low as 1800, which, while that seems like a lot, here we are at 1860, 18, it's, it's not that much and it can happen quickly. And it mm-hmm. would be a perfectly 
normal, if you can use that word in this business, move given the perspective strength in the dollar. Yeah. And you wonder what's the backdrop for that. I mean, dollars, continued dollar strength, yields moving higher, um, gold moving lower. It makes sense without question. And you got to ask yourself what the catalyst is. Is the catalyst maybe, again, more hawkish rhetoric out of this? We weren't hawkish. Wait a second. Maybe you didn't hear us clearly last week. This is what we're doing. So it's all clearly out there. And again, I said this on an earlier show, Dan, I'll say it to you. And this is not, again, backing away from anything, but there have been people a lot smarter than I am, which is not a high bar, that have said this is some of the most confusing market slash macroeconomic backdrops they've seen in their careers. And I will tell you the last six months clearly, but the last month, month and a half, I mean, there's so many cross currents. There's, there's, if you're bullish, there's enough for you. If you're bearish, there's enough for you. And the battle lines are right here in a number of asset classes. Matter of fact. All right, Carter Braxton Worth of Worth Charting, thank you for being with us on a Monday. We will see you again on Wednesday. You're also going to be on the desk on Fast Money tonight. So no can't wait for that. Thanks, CB Dubs. We'll see, see you, man. Bye. All right. Guy Adami, um, we just spent a lot of time talking about what the Fed said, uh, what investors thought they interpreted. Um, we went through some big macro charts. Let's talk about earnings because there's still a mm -hmm. whole heck of a lot of them to come out. And I think, again, you know, it's always interesting to see how stocks react to earnings and guidance early in the cycle. Doesn't it seem like months ago when the banks reported, when they got this whole season kicked off, and then we had that huge move out of Netflix. So that was one of the first tech ones. But there's some stuff this week that are really interesting. So maybe they can throw that slide up and, and give us a sense for there's um, you know, we know that um, electronic arts had had bad results in guidance and that stock got hit really hard. So tonight we have Activision and we have take two. We also have Pinterest and then Chipotle tomorrow, Chipotle, Chipotle, whatever you want to call it. Disney and Uber will be really interesting. Our friends over there at CME, that is a stock that I'm long and then PayPal and Pepsi later on in the week. Um, let's talk about this Pinterest because, you know, here's one that if we pull up this one year chart guy, it's kind of interesting. And you were actually bullish of this thing. I remember last um, summer and it never made a new low in the fall with the NASDAQ, which was kind of interesting here. And we have a chart. I mean, the implied move in either direction is 13 and a half percent. So it churned last summer. But look at how it's just kind of had this little step function higher here. A lot of consolidating action. Is this a name you find interesting or do you wait one way or another? Because, listen, you know, it's it's flipping a coin. You want to play for a meta sort of move. You know yeah. what I mean? Fine. But I if do. You get direction wrong your lights out okay and then the idea that you know if it were to go down let's say 10 percent, that might give you a good opportunity down near that that moving average to buy it so i'll answer your question i do think there's some there's an upward trade here i think if i'm not mistaken around the time that we started getting bullish on it we started to see some activist chatter in the name as well that seemingly put a bit of a floor in this thing to your point that move that implied move gets you right to the 200 day moving average so the smart thing to do would just be wait and see. I mean, you know, we've seen before. I mean, you saw it in Snapchat, a stock that it had a pretty big move to the upside, only to give the entire thing back. I just happen to think Pinterest is just a better company and a better position company. And I might prove to be wrong, but I think that move might get you that next leg higher. So this is one that I'm clearly watching. I think it's a one, it's a fun one to trade around, right. understanding it's a hundred dollar table. But I'll tell you, I think. The most interesting one out of the bunch this week is Disney, given the pretty significant move it's had 
from the lows predicated on pretty much nothing other than the broader market. Yeah. And you have to wonder, you know, what what rabbit are they going to pull out of their hat given the bounce that that stock has seen? Yeah, we're going to preview that on Wednesday. I'm definitely going to be putting a trade on in that one. I, I, I think we probably come back. Throw up that Pinterest chart, though, guys, one more time. And what's interesting, and I just kind of want to break this down, when we talk about what an implied move in the options market, I said $3.75. The stock's trading around 28 If you took the at-the-money straddle, that's the call and the put, and you put that premium together on the weeklies, that gets you about 3.75. So if you were just to buy the stock here at 28 because you thought the stock could rally 10%, you basically have a nearly $3 target to the upside, okay? But on the flip side is you're also probably risking about $3, right? So if you wanted to say to yourself, all right, I want to define my my risk, and I want to use options, and I could buy that out-the-money call, and maybe that costs about $1.80, so I'm risking less than the implied move, but you need a big move, and a short period of time you got to get that direction right here and that's why it's just kind of hard and, and if you think everything we just said about the market where we think we are if you feel that or share that sort of sentiment then it makes sense to wait and wait for some of these stocks to come back your way and here's a good example throw up the snap chart that we have right here okay i was along some puts into this thing this was last monday into the print okay and you know what i thought the stock had run up and i thought it would give some of it back and it went to 10 it got below that in the aftermarket and i had a small winner okay because i was long the at the money puts it's a really hard game people now look at this thing it's back up to where it was right filled in the entire gap and now it's at resistance you see that 200 day moving mm -hmm. average i mean that's a chart that you kind of want to buy it, it shook off it shook off the bad news maybe there's enough bad news in it analysts hate this stock there's like five analysts out of 40 that rated to buy that sort of thing thoughts on snap guy because i heard what you just said versus pinterest but this price action is not bad in a week no, it's exactly what you want to see as well. And it's interesting. I'm reading some comments, you know, Pinterest and Snapper, they're not indicative of anything. I think we understand that. We're just trying to point out trading opportunities and names that have some catalysts around them. But that price action in Snap is everything you want to see. And when you see it shake off news like that, obviously, yep. I think the Facebook quarter clearly helped, right? You probably you shook out any shorts that were in the name. This is a stock that, you know, racing around the bottom, had a big volume day, felt like capitulation last week on earnings. You know, the setup here is where it can move 35, 40%, still be a broken stock without question, but those are the type of opportunities you're looking for uh, without question. So that's why we highlight these things. But to, to answer your question, that price action, if you're bullish, is exactly what you wanted to see. Yeah, and our main man, uh, Eric Lancelotti, he's saying risk less, make more. Maybe that's yeah, a good that's title right. for a that's show. show. Uh, shout out. All right, last thing, before we get out of here, um, I just want to like throw up this 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 uh, little slide we put together, some headlines around you know these these generative AI or these language models and chat GPTs getting a lot. And look look what's going on here. And this is really interesting. So Google's going to invest three hundred million dollars in OpenAI rival. Uh, OpenAI dangles perks at early access to win investments in AI and startups. I mean you know the, just the list goes on. The, the chatbot startup character seeks two fifty million. So we got a little. Got a little bubble going on here, guys. Mm -hmm. Microsoft, you know, they invested a billion dollars in OpenAI. They're the ones who make this chat GPT. They're going to put it into their Bing. They're just invested $10 billion. It just seems like there is definitely a little bubble burst or like, forming here. It has not burst. Look at this C3 AI. And we have a one-year chart. This stock was trading at 10 at the end of December, traded 27 and a half 
today. Okay. So on the market cap, it's literally gone from 1 billion to 3 billion. More importantly, look at this thing when it came out in late 2020 guy and it's IPO, this stock was trading It traded as high as, I don't know, 175 or something like that. Look at the move it's just had here. And I highlight this, not saying to buy it people. What I'm saying is just keep an eye on some of these headlines. When some of the big mockers like Microsoft and Google are doing things in this space, when they're investing in the private markets, it seems like it's a really good longer term secular sort of story. Doesn't mean that things are trading in the markets right now that have the term AI. Got you and I've seen that before. Remember dot com. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a couple other names. Maybe they could pull up S-O-U-N. Look at this thing. B-B-A-I. Okay. These are like little small cap things. Again, not saying to buy them here, people. I don't know anything about them, but somebody's buying them. Somebody's talking about on a message board, that sort of thing. So, guys, when we start to see this sort of behavior at this stage of the game, what's happened with crypto, what's happened with some of these SPACs, what's happened with some of these unprofitable tech companies, the ARC and everything like that, doesn't make me more bullish on the broader market. No, and it's interesting. James just brought up a point in the chat, and maybe Jacob can pull this up. It's the last comment. Um, but the move in NVIDIA this this latest the last thirty dollars or so might be on the back of exactly what you just talked about, Dan. Without question, yeah. because you know that's a name we've talked about that is now Nvidia specifically has doubled since the low we made in October. Think about that for a second. Doubled since that low, and it's still significantly, again for context, significantly lower than the all time high. But you now we're getting standard deviations away from the two hundred day moving average. We talk about this stock. The reason why we talk about it because Animal spirits are back. NVIDIA was one of the poster child for animal spirits for a long time. A stock that's probably trading 50 times next year's numbers, probably trading 20 times or so revenue at these yeah. current levels. That just doesn't add up. Something's amiss. And you can, we can talk about all the tailwinds they have, and they clearly do have some secular tailwinds, but at what cost? You know, And isn't, doesn't the valuation it's currently trading at sort of um, encompass all that? And to, to answer your question, you know, we've seen these things before and we're seeing it play out right now. Yeah. And just to put a, a, a you know, a bow on a that. Bow I mean, on the bow. NVIDIA is a $518 billion market cap company. It's up 45% of the year. It's up 100% off the lows. And Tesla's $600 billion market cap company, up 57% of the year, up 100% off its recent lows or nearly that. Um, okay. Listen, do us a favor here, people. We want you put that to scroll be with up. Us at 11 o'clock. On Wednesday, this is going to be, we're still doing market call at one. That This is the smart stuff that we're doing at 11 a.m. with our friends over there from FactSet. It's going to be uh, a look ahead. We're going to be focused on earnings with butter. We're looking at energy. We're looking at ESG. We're going to pack it with some expert views and some trade ideas and some investment themes. So go to riskreversal.com slash Fact set 2023. Sign up. You're going to get a link for that here. So just do us a solid. Come with us along uh, along for this ride here, guy. It'll be fun. Cool. You know, listen, it'll be I think there's going to be a lot of information that it's a good way to listen. We're a month into the year, but I think it's a good sort of uh, overview as to what to expect over the next few months or so with the experts from Fact Set. On top of which, just I get to say butters three or four times yes, you do. Uh, that day as well, which is pretty cool. So check it out. Please sign up. We're looking forward to it. It's coming up quickly. You see the scroll at the bottom of the screen. I love that. I mean, we have scrolls now too, which is fantastic. But Dan, that's it for Market Call. You want to just say goodbye before I take us out? Yeah, goodbye. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I want to thank our the great Carter Braxtonworth. You, our audience, who are always with us. 
uh, through good and bad, thick and thin. And of course, thank you, FactSet Financial Data and Analytics, powered by tomorrow. They're our data provider. Sign up for Wednesday's webinar, if you want to call it that, 11 a.m. We will be back tomorrow. Just the two of us like the song. <laughs>